変身Hello, you to, to Come Drive the episode 106. I'm Rose Kip, and with me is Brett. Hey, Brett. Hi. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for coming on for a uh, very special guest episode of Come Drive. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And um, you are no stranger to podcasts, though, correct? I am. Uh, that's true. I am no stranger to podcasts. I host and produce a podcast about weed. It's called Beyond Buds, and I talk to people all across different areas of the cannabis industry about what they do. Uh, everyone from scientists to activists to actually uh, next month, the mayor of Costa Mesa, because they just legalized it. Ooh, that's yeah. very cool. Yeah. yeah. I um, like to have lots of perspectives on the show. And also like um, that's a first, but also like I do like uh, like to like a, uh, it's a little nice, like, uh, there's, like, certain things, like, it's always nice, like, oh, like, I just had, like, a Toku fan on. Oh, I just had somebody that knows what, like, what they're doing with their audio on. That's nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I try to. I'm actually super new to it and uh, mostly self-taught, but I think they're coming out. Uh, I think they're coming out pretty good. <laughs> uh, but you know what? I would invite your listeners to go check it out for themselves and see if they agree with my assessment. Yeah. And uh, I am lonely. Lo- very intrigued too because i feel like there's um a lot of interesting like conversations like happening in that space too about like just what happens when there's uh this massive stigma and then it's legal what happens when there's mass amounts of money what happens when there's various people who have been affected by weed in different ways and now it's just like uh how is that reflecting back on those communities it's like a very deep topic yeah, I mean, there's there's so much to explore. I've been in this industry for a couple of years, which is actually unusual for this industry. Um, and I I learn I learn new things every day, which is insane. And yeah, absolutely, it's what's really honestly buck wild is that yeah, there are still people in the United States going to prison for really not anything much different than what I do every day, which is encourage people to purchase marijuana yeah and it's just like um a real struggle uh on every level of like american life but also just like in this one just be like hey let's figure out how to be extremely equitable and just there's so much in the way of that it's like a like real like modern just like a major like tragedy like that's ongoing (laughs) Yeah, there's so much work still left to do, but I did speak to a guy doing a lot of work within the state of California. Um, I do work uh, in California cannabis, and that's kind of my area of expertise, so I don't really claim to know much about um, the laws outside of this state. But I talked to Eric Opel, who runs the Veterans Cannabis Coalition. He's a veteran himself. And there's a provision in the California law for the legalization of cannabis that actually allows uh, companies and individuals to donate cannabis to medical patients who really need it. And so he kind of connects people's extra cannabis products to veterans with PTSD. 
and someday would like to have an even bigger scope, but that's where he's at for now. That's really cool, honestly. It's amazing. I had no idea that was even a thing until I talked to him. Yeah, um, I just, yeah, well, that's a, like, um, great cause, too, and, like, I know that, like, lots of people just, like, uh, it's just good to have another option, (laughs) and sometimes there's people who are just, yes, this is just the perfect amount, this is the 15% strength of whatever else there is, and that's all I need, you know, for my day, you know? Yeah, when people are dealing with chronic pain, access to cannabis makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. And, like, lots of people, um, do have, like, very, like, strange relationships with pain and, like, what they think about, like, drugs. They're always just like, oh, like, it's like that spice from Dune. And, like, it's such a weird thing to say, but you've watched that movie recently, too, right? I did. Yeah. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I'm the master of the segue. Yes. Yes. Very smooth. So I, I did recently watch Dune. It was... uh Let's see. So tonally, I thought it was a really good fit for the book. I saw the Lynch version a couple of years ago, and um, I, you know, it's hard. I love David Lynch. Uh, I don't want to say I hate it, but I hated it. Um, and the new version, I think, is just so well cast. I think Timothée Chalamet is such a good Paul. Because um, what I what I actually <laughs> was thinking earlier and what I wrote was uh, that the actor playing Paul in the Lynch version looked kind of like a 30-something-year-old assistant manager, and Timothée Chalamet looks like a mystical boy king. Um, and they also did a really good job making uh, Baron Harkonnen actually menacing in this movie. I was very frightened of him. Uh, whereas in the first one, he's just kind of like... Uh, he honestly is... He reminds me more of uh, Fat Bastard than really any other movie character I can think of. Get in my belly. <laughs> that's, a, yeah. that's a good one. Yeah, he's like uh, basically that guy. Oh, that's um, not good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I thought it was a little odd. Um, I I do love most things David Lynch has made, but I wasn't a fan of that. I think the new Dune is is so good. Uh, if anyone hasn't seen it yet and was worried that it's overhyped, personally, I don't think it's overhyped. Have you seen it? No, I have a, well, first off, for Timothy, like, Chalamet, I'm very much like, okay, I do nothing about him until I found out that he used to mod Xbox controllers, and I was like, oh, this guy's super cool. Yeah, like, um, on, like, Motherboard at Vice, they, like, compared this 2010, like, YouTube Xbox, like, 360 controller modder, and we're like, oh, this is the same, like, carpet as, like, some like photos that he put up when he was like had a birthday party when he was 10 and then then like, it was like oh like the scar like matches the scar in his hand then like he was doing like an interview of like zendaya for variety i was like yeah a bunch of people found out that uh i used to like custom paint um controllers when i was 10 that's really and, cool. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, right? That's he like definitely, the uh-huh. coolest thing you do. That's awesome. He definitely seems like he would have been a weird kid, which is why I thought he was so good as Paul, honestly. I've never seen anything else with him in it, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, yeah. watch it, dude. I don't know about Dune. Um, I just could never get into the book. I was just like, oh, I've heard so much about like Dune, and then... I would just like get a little bit in. I'd be like, oh man, like that really sounds like they like started this book at the like less interesting part of the history of the like Atreides family. Like that was some cool stuff they were doing in space. What's going on now? Oh, 
some desert. Uh, but maybe it's just like was so hyped that like I almost like couldn't get like the right amount of prepared for, you know? Yeah, and I, I mean I think sci-fi books are also a lot different now than they were then. Not like it's been that long really, but you know, it was genre books were kind of maligned and not really taken seriously. So you could just write whatever the fuck you wanted and just like, you know, you didn't have to worry about whether people liked it or not. <laughs> and it shows yeah. uh, sometimes, but I, I, I guess I love Dune. So um, I, I don't know if the movie is that good if you don't. So actually maybe, maybe not then. <laughs> As someone who um went to school, like um for writing initially, I definitely ran into that thing where it was like, Hey, um, people don't know what the hell they're talking about with like most like genre fiction. Like, yes, there's a lot going on. Like a lot of like the weird fantasy and sci-fi stuff where it's like, Oh, like let's like <laughs> explore like gender and like, let's explore like mental health. It's like, Oh, like it's, it's a lot of times it was like, Oh, it's more effective to like have a very interesting like sci-fi world to like explore this than to all be like, graduate students you know yeah definitely i think that um i i definitely agree with that and i think that some of the some of my critiques with leftist spaces is that uh no one really seems that interested in having fun in some of them yep <laughs> um, oh yeah which is a shame <laughs> uh which isn't to say that those places don't exist they just um i think any I don't know. You know, it's like when you have a bunch of ideologues in a room who take themselves really seriously, which is, I think, most political spaces, a lot of that joy gets lost. Sometimes people suck the fun out of themselves by, like, getting in front of what they're enjoying by talking about everything wrong with it before they talk about it or like why they enjoy it. Yeah, I think I, I think some people kind of get caught up uh I'd say like a little too much with um, their ideals and start kind of seeing everything through like a political lens. And that's just like, not that fun. <laughs> like, Yeah. Like you like Dune, you don't condone the patriarchy or whatever, you know, like it's like, yes, there are things that you could find and like lenses, but also just have a little faith in people to that. They like something and they're like, aware of or not advocating for maybe like the whatever parts of it. Yeah. Like I, I enjoy Dune, which is not to say that I'm advocating for imperialism or religious extremism. You know, it would be, uh, it would really suck the fun out of Dune. If, you know, we had to critique the Atreides family's goals <laughs> there, you know, it's um obviously that's part of the story, but there's so much to the story. Um, and it's only at the forefront of it for part of the book, part of the movie. So, um, yeah. and it's not a, you know, it's not a reason to, to hate it. I think, I think you can recognize that, uh, a piece of media you like has bad messages and still enjoy it. Though there's also the other end, which is me trying to watch like, oh, should I try and watch Falcon and Winter Soldier and be like, oh my goodness, uh, the military wrote this show. Oh like, yeah! <laughs> I watched yeah. like one or two episodes. I was like, I, I can't do this one. 
Yeah, I mean, that is the uncomfortable thing about a lot of American-made movies is because there are certain resources that they can't get access to without cooperation from different areas of the of, of the military. Um, and it's just too cost prohibitive to do it any other way. So they have to, you know, suck up to them and make sure that the message is on brand, which is unfortunate. That's definitely part of the reason, too, where um, I am very much a man, I don't know if there's ever going to be, and there never has been, a good American Godzilla movie. I think part of it is that, like, Godzilla doesn't care about, like, how the military looks. Mm-hmm. But uh, that is also a, like, a half-step towards uh, our topic today, which is uh, Come Rider Revice, episodes one through four. Mm-hmm. Now, I kind of brought you in on this show. This is a show that we initially, the two seasons before the show, we covered Every two weeks, the whole year it came out, um, we decided not to for this show for a couple of reasons. So I thought like having like a little bit of have a talk with the guest would be interesting. But also like like I do know that like uh kind of threw you in on the deep end here. So is there any questions or context or anything that you want to know about this before we talk about it? I guess or like comic um. writer. Yeah, I guess, um, so something I noticed was that it has this show, and I guess I assume uh, Toku in general, but correct me if I'm wrong, really has the cartoony look and frenetic pace that you really only see in uh, American shows when they're made for toddlers, Um, and you never really see that in shows made for adults other than, like, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. That's kind of the only thing I can think of that's, like, even close to being like this. I thought it was so much fun. Yeah, Comrade are so weird because like it's a show that's simultaneously for four-year-olds for teens and for adults it has this Mm -hmm. weird pace and it's trying to make sure hey let's make sure that we could sell these toys but also like uh this show started kind of light but i can like already see how it's gonna get dark this like franchise like will often have like real angst to it like character death will have like a lot of like dark things happen and it's just like a very weird show um i like the action stuff and like and like practical effects and like and like fight choreography but like um where these shows kind of like get me is the way that they will just kind of pick a theme and that's what the show is about through and through like um a a couple years back there was a show um Comrade Zero One that was about this uh, failed comedian who inherited an AI business Hmm. Um, and like his job was basically (laughs) yes it was a very weird show but um, in like the third episode he goes to this um, like extremely old sushi chef who has no one to pass down his skills to and tries to give him a like humor gear which is the like service robot um and like they won't give their techniques to like this human gear and then eventually like after talking to their um old like princess like oh yeah like he loves like he can he keeps he keeps breaking people's hearts and then there's like this point where this um where this like robot just says it's fine i don't have a heart to break master like Aww. you can do it and just like whoa like this show really cares about what's labor and like what's people and 
yeah, these shows are very, they very much have a purpose and are like strange to like that. Yeah, it definitely got deep in some areas. And um, I mean, I thought the, I just like the relationships between the family members I thought was so mm-hmm. special. Um, I guess, yeah, it was just so unique to see these, for me, to see like the sort of action figure, you know, boss fights and stuff with also these um, sort of like deep messages about like love and relationships and like, you know, sticking by your family. And then also just like adult and, and also some adult themes. And I don't mean adult themes as in um, like sex or drugs or, or drinking. I mean, like eminent domain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something I really that is why I'm talking about Toku and like I'm writer like so much it is like, I think, um, it doesn't follow the Joseph Campbell like heroes like journey that like format mm-hmm. a lot of the time like a lot of the time the only thing they care about is this person's morals in their life and how far that reaches and not like how they change the world you know yeah that's interesting I hadn't noticed that that would make things significantly different yeah and um so this show is the 50th anniversary um it's the 32nd show and it's the 23rd consecutive show so it's like a whole bunch of history there uh it's man that's a universe yeah uh yeah and like they're doing stuff like um when the mcu was like oh we got five dudes to fight like five people and then like they were just like let's get 200 people in a quarry and just like blast some like dynamite (laughs) you know yeah so yeah but um yeah or actually, well, actually, I don't know. Uh, well, actually, anyone listening to the show already knows what Toku says is um, they know much more than I do. So mm-hmm. I guess there's nothing else we need to get into. Like, guess let's talk about the episodes. Well, um, what Toku is, uh, it's basically just like special effects filming. It's lots of practical effects. It's like fight choreography. There's more CG lately, but like it still is more of a feature and like a special mode than like the only way they do it. Mm hmm. And like, you know, um, there's Power Rangers, there's the show the Power Rangers from, there's Kamen Rider, there's Godzilla. Uh, we're pretty open with like what Toku is like too, because we're like, ah, this can be Toku and just like something like Robocop is like that, you know? Oh, I do love Robocop. Oh, perfect movie. It is. Yeah. yeah. Oh, zero no. notes. Send it out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So we looked at, though, uh, the first four episodes. Um, let's just like, um, start on that first episode. Family Contract, The Devil's Whisper. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot going on here. Uh, there's like um, the opening where they're in like a temple and it's very Indiana Jones. And then there's lots of like... So it's definitely cultural appropriation. <laughs> um. Oh, like the... Uh... The, like, uh, I guess they're supposed to be Mexican villains. They're inspired by Day of the Dead and mariachi bands and stuff. <laughs> uh, and they wear it differently. Uh, there's one who's just wearing, like, a green mariachi jacket and, like, he's hot. And there's one that has, like, a bowl cut and, like, a big hat. And that's less, that's less good. 
for him. <laughs> I I gotta say, I I honestly I honestly loved them. <laughs> um, I was very confused why they all had Spanish names for a while, but then I just kind of figured out that they were supposed to be Mexican or something, which was uh, strange uh, since they were all played by Japanese actors. But you know what? It was fun. <laughs> it's an anime toku thing. Just yeah. Uh, their names are Julio of the Hat. Um, there is Olteca, who's the dude without a hat. And there's um, Aguilara, who does not have a monster form. And she's the fiance of a giant statue of a clitoris called Gif. It does. It does look like a giant clitoris. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's exactly what it is, huh? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It is. Yeah. It just, they start like the show. I mean, like, here's our hidden base. Stop being sad and start being servants. And like, gracias, like dead man. And like, yeah, <laughs> just, yeah, that was, I wasn't, uh, expecting them to be like from somewhere else since the actors aren't. So that was a little, uh, disorienting. That's just, <laughs> That's just the the way some Japanese like uh, my characters get written sometimes. Okay. <laughs> well, you know what? Maybe they were all exchange students in Mexico, and they went to a Day of the Dead festival, and they thought that uh, it was real, and they just got really caught up in it. Who knows? I think more likely they were depressed, and they found a stamp and a giant statue of a clit that could talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, okay, this makes sense to me. Uh, cult time (laughs) you know what cults have been started for less uh in california so who am i to to judge really (laughs) though honestly so much more fun to live when the cult is like started for that though like oh absolutely that's a magic stamps yeah yeah we got stamps (laughs) we got big sombreros you know we're ready to go it's just so much um and the basic thrust we get is that there's like a big special forces team called Phoenix has like a a, like sky base and also has stamps. They're like, Oh, we made stamps of animals. And there's a scientist who speaks in some English. His name is George and he likes to work out. And he's also a fan of Cobb and Rider that I guess is a TV show in the series. And he like based the stamps off of like old Cobb and Riders, which was very fun to me to be like, Oh, Hey, that's a really, cool like tribute but yeah okay i i actually i actually missed that detail i think because i was still trying to figure out what was going on but i love that yeah like um the different forms besides like the main like t-rex one were all like to different past writers and like included like parts of their like color schemes and their designs and their catchphrases oh man that's so cool yeah and like i was um surprised like this show started and like had like a marvel star wars like 50 year of like common rider thing like going on too and i was like oh that's cool i've never seen that before yeah continuity yeah uh and so then we meet the main characters and um higurashi family owns a like um spa and like um in and yeah what do you think what do you think of them (laughs) like going through um, I, I love them. So the dad is just a total goofball and the mom just seems very sweet and wise and loving. 
Um, there is the older brother, the oldest brother, Daiji, who the um, who Fenix describes as the perfect person for um, their project. So, you know, off the bat, he's like super good at his job, just like super competent, well regarded. There is Iki, who is our main character. He is less so he's he's goofy but he's hardworking. so we're introduced to him as he is just cleaning the shit out of the spa um he's having so much fun he's all about it and then they have a spunky little sister who um we see more of um particularly in the what was it in the last episode or in the fourth episode that i that we watched the last yeah sakura yeah and um the only thing is i think that iki might be the oldest there oh dang okay yeah but so like the immediate thing i got with him though is like as the main character like he's seeing his demon yeah but you immediately get like at least like for me Ryder likes to have a lot of angst with his characters it's gotten a little less angsty in the past few years because like when i started watching like Ryder when i was in like middle school and stuff it was like a drama and then there would be three minutes of like fight scenes and then they'd be like oh man i'm real depressed <laughs> Oh jeez. <laughs> and then more fight scenes. But um immediately he comes off as super bitter. He just um the way that he looks, the way that he's still wearing his outfit like as if he's going to go off for training to be a like professional like soccer player, the way like he looks at the stuff and like his posters and focuses on like doing good for the family all this stuff like oh this guy's gonna explode in a couple episodes <laughs> like in like the middle of like th- this series like oh but he starts off and he's like very eager to help his family <laughs> mm-hmm. uh and um i wasn't so the big reason we decided not to cover this show there were two reasons one <clears throat> the show before it was not very good <laughs> and we decided to pick a show for our main cast that was I could vouch for a little bit and know wasn't bad so we wouldn't be stuck spending a year just kind of like oh this wasn't very good (laughs) well that sucked (laughs) yeah um and the other is that his demon vice um the voice actor that uh portrays him got involved in a pretty terrible blackface scandal (laughs) Mm. yeah so I was just like, yeah, Whoops. yeah, not feeling great about this character already because it's just like an annoying. I get that there's four year olds and there's like me and their stuff, whatever. But then I was like, oh man, blackface. Uh, I don't want to do this. That's why this is a a like show we're touching. We're not diving into a Kevin Ryan three. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and the whole plot is that um, they are gonna have the candidates including like Daiji to be the common rider to to fight against like demons and fight demons with demons. Mhm. Yeah, so off the bat it's kind of like suicide squad, you know, like we yeah. Yeah. Um and one thing like immediately is that they bring in this convict they found and I was so hyped when I saw this dude I was like that's motherfucking Minoru Suzuki. <laughs> That's my guy. Like that's murder grandpa. Hey, what's up? I think I'm gonna uh, need some context on this. Minoru Suzuki is the king of Pancrase. He is a 53, 54 year old professional wrestler slash MMA fighter. 
Um, mm. He is known as the murder grandpa because um, he loves One Piece and he shaves his head to look like the fruit from from One Piece and then he beats the shit out of like all the new wrestlers. That's awesome. Uh, he used to wear like a lot of like leather jackets and have like big pompadours like back in the 90s. So like if you've seen like a video game about like the 80s and 90s and like seen like a dude he was that dude and he just like hits really hard like a lot of wrestlers especially in japan are like it looks be the best way to make hits look good is to hit hard <laughs> so they just like it will like completely like destroy their chest and stuff he's like very known for just murdering people oh geez well, so that, that is cool. I had no idea. Oh man, there's so many, there's so many like Easter eggs in here. If you are familiar with Japanese media, it sounds like. Yeah, uh, and um, so this whole they s are going to like pick their writer, and mm -hmm. then they have this PC case that has like the, yeah, like, it just looks stuff like a it. gaming rig. Yeah, it's like ah, oh, just like great. <laughs> um, yeah, problem right of crypto. Yeah. Oh man. And then of course they get attacked and one dude tries it out and fails and then like the like brother like Daiji um can't do it. And then um that's when Icky talks to his demon and releases him and then that demon just tries to eat his mom. So then he's like, "Okay, I better put this belt on." Mhm. Mm and um so the the big thing with Common Rider is that uh, the powers aren't good. <laughs> the powers are ex expressly bad. There's just like a proper noun in the franchise called the Cross of Fire, which basically means that um, a Common Rider is linked explicitly to the evil that they fight, and they are themselves like evil beings. Oh, I did not get that at all from these four episodes. <laughs> <laughs> it's the it's the start of the show and like, it'll like get more stuff as it goes. But like um, a couple years ago, for example, there was a series that started with um, break dancing. And when the break dancing teams would get into fights, they would have Pokemon battles. And huh. then they, and then they found out that they weren't Pokemon. It was actually in like invasive dimension. And then they oh, found geez. out like partway through. Oh yeah. Uh, the government's, manufacturing belts that'll let like a million people survive because in five years the whole world's gonna end <laughs> oh god okay <laughs> then, wow yeah just it's like that kind of stuff it's like it was oh, a lot of places <laughs> but um, so like the the lighter it starts off the the darker things are gonna get or maybe not necessarily not necessarily this could be a normal one like that was a little bit more of a one than usual for Comic Rider but uh <laughs> There's definitely been shows where it ends in like, oh yeah, and my hand is turning into sand and I'm going to die in the next few days. I better watch Clouds with my friends. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Uplifting endings. And then like sometimes it's like, oh, we did it, guys. Let's go back to high school. <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> you like, really everything's know. normal again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Lasting trauma who? I don't know her. Lasting trauma is always on the menu, honestly. <laughs> Recover writer, but oh, yeah. Oh, that makes uh, me so sad. I love Iki. What do you think when he transformed, though? 
Um, I, I mean, I, I guess I was just like, okay, this is happening. I, I guess I was still kind of getting my bearings for this episode, so I didn't really have a lot of opinions about anything that happened. No, yeah, this is very much like a, hey, this is the 50th anniversary of the Kamen Rider. We're, we're not going to explain anything. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like, if you're watching the show, you clearly know what's going on, so get with the program. Um... I typed on my notes, I typed, I'm not sure if it's because the subs are bad or not that I can't understand what this technology is or what exactly is going on. Uh, it stamps with DNA and you could become a covered writer. That's all it's going to tell you, really. <laughs> um, I also typed uh, Final Fantasy ass weapon. Love it. And the fact that this battle is in an office parking lot reminds me so much of the fight scene from Anchorman, which is it's true. It did that fight scene. Like, I really liked that first fight scene. One, because like it was like very physical, like lots of stuff was breaking. They were like going to different spots. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, he was definitely more competent than most common riders are at first. There's lots of them that don't know how to fight. <laughs> And they're yeah. like, oh, what do I do? That was kind of that was kind of cool. I guess I've never seen a movie where the hero gets superpowers and immediately knows what to do with them. <laughs> so yeah. uh, that was unexpected, and it was fun. I mean, his two younger siblings can fight, so I guess it's just like a oh, we learned it <laughs> to that. Like, that was also a surprise. Why is his sister so good at martial arts? Uh, she does it in the opening, so I'm assuming that's why. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, she just like she can like kick every grown man's ass. Yeah. And she like does for the series. I mean it's cool. I just like I was just like, oh, okay. Like she can she can do that. All right. Seems significant enough to warrant more of a mention beforehand, but (laughs) I mean it's you know, you have to be a pretty elite fighter as as a woman to be able to do it with that much ease. And I guess she is. (laughs) You know I guess so. I mean yeah, I would just, I would, I feel like that's at least as important as Daishi's uh, soccer career. No, um, so like the design immediately, like, it's like, okay, trans rights or just, I guess the actual reason was like, um, it's based off of modern sportswear and like that's why oh, it's like, oh, that's why pink. you were asking. Yeah, I thought it was so cute. It was the trans flag, huh? Yeah. And, um, I, like the main suit but also it definitely does a lot of things like he gets like dummy thick randomly because he's like t-rex legs and oh i wrote that too (laughs) it was so weird he gets like a like a meowth lower half so he just looks like like extremely (laughs) thick like he has lymphedema like thick meowth that's thick yeah that was that was a surprise um i was also confused how he can just keep making new demonic contracts because uh all my uh deem all my demonology knowledge comes from the uh christian context where you're pretty much one and done yeah i guess just uh the contract of being a writer like supersedes other stuff yeah i i still don't really get that part <laughs> and um they also can so normally a common rider is alone <laughs> and him having his demon fight with him and like there being two of them that's a little weird for this show and also the fact that they can like have like ass eating fusion forms yeah i i was i noticed that too i t- uh i wrote i guess eating ass is satanic i mean yeah that's what the panic's about right 
Yeah, I mean, the, you know, that demon is eating his butt, so I guess that's what they do. Yeah, that was, that was cute, though. Yeah, and they become a, like, T-Rex. Yeah, no, I, I really like that design. I think that was actually my favorite. Um, You know, I, I don't know if the ass-eating jokes enhance that or, you know, or not, but either way, it was a very cute design. And the main thing with the Kamen Rider is, like, the word common means mass. So to be like a like I'm right is like oh like you're like a like rider you're transient and you're mass and also you do a big kick and that's what they love doing here and like I love their like kick and everything and their whole thing but like this first episode is very much like let's not explain anything and let's just like do stuff. Yeah, no, it's um I mean the the fight scenes are are awesome. They're like half special effects, half like very good fight choreography. So you know what's not to like about that. Yeah, and um, I do like too how he doesn't want to be a writer. <laughs> he's like, yeah, yeah. I'm good. he's like, yeah, I know that I'm so good at it, like the best ever. But like, my family though, which is like, that's you know what, I I get it. It's like, why why should you risk your life when you got to protect your family? Okay, like fair enough. And um, let's get into the like other episodes, like um, so two, the devil is a bad guy, but. I can't help but like immediately get the sense off of like Kiki though. Like, man, you felt at some point like the right thing to do for your family was to give up your dreams and you resent them for it. Don't you? Yeah, I, I definitely noticed that. Like there's a lot of foreshadowing throughout that Daiji's going to end up being the boss villain of the show. Yeah. I think there's a good chance he becomes a like monster or like evil rider, like pretty suit of the show, honestly. Mm. And um, I like too about Vice that he's a demon, but also literally everything he does is set Hickey up to talking how he actually feels to people. Like when <laughs> he, he's like telling people to like shut up and yelling at them and stuff, it's like, oh, it's how he actually feels. Like we see that like, very much towards the end of these episodes but even like that first second episode was like oh wow you are not mm-hmm. talking how you're feeling yeah yeah no i i really liked the relationship with uh with vice and and icky where he just kind of like needles him all the time and he's just like ah god like leave me alone because he's kind of like the he's just kind of like intrusive thoughts personified like he's not evil he's just a like he just sucks yeah <laughs> And um, what do you think of the opening here? Because um, we first get it in the second episode. Um, you know, the only thing I, I wrote in my notes was the wacky scientist boss has a mega chat jaw. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One other thing about like Captain Rider is like it's it's a place for a lot of people to prove themselves. So like a lot of these actors are like this is their first time acting. Like I oh. think most of the cast for the show this is their first acting gig. That's awesome. So it's like a springboard. Yeah. It's like their law and order. Kind of. Yeah. And like lots of like okay. new or like mid-level <laughs> bands will like do like the intro to the like, Rider, And then like, it's like, Oh, you did that. Like, it's just like a, it's like when you do the outro song to like a, a like fast and furious movie, you know, or like, uh, but yeah. Um, and, the main drama here is that um, so Daiji wants to sign Icky to a contract with Phoenix and he doesn't want to. 
there's people trying to buy the bathhouse, and also there is a golfer and his caddy who are fighting. Mm, yeah. The um, the golfer is uh, on a slump, and the caddy is just trying to help him out, and he is such a dick to him. And this episode is like a little bit of like an accelerated version of like a lot of like writer plots is let's look at a relationship and let's add in monsters to like exacerbate things. Mm-hmm. And yeah, um, now there's monsters and there's new forms and everything. Uh, the like eagle form is based off of Comrider Double, which was a detective themed comic writer from 10 or so years ago. And that was two people who became one dude, not one dude who became two people. So it's kind of fun to be like, oh, yeah, they had that first one because it was a reverse one. But yeah, uh, that's awesome. And the main thing here is that Vice tries to eat people a lot, like his mom, like the like his brother, like that golfer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he tries to eat like the exact people that. Iki is trying to protect at any time, which might have symbolic meaning. Sorry, symbolic meaning, but I'm I'm not sure exactly what. Um, let's see. I thought so the um boy, as someone who used to <laughs> work in, in retail, I really feel for the caddy. Uh he's extremely sympathetic here. He has the answer to um the golfer's problem. He has the solution, but the golfer just refuses to listen to him, and it's extremely mean to him, which I think is just, like, every day as a customer service representative. Um, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, boy, I, I could have used one of those stamps some days. I mean, we'd be in a better place if, like, if you won't give me a union, give me a stamp. Just, damn. But, yeah. Uh, and the golfer also becomes... Hey, like contract cider and stuff. There's just like a lot of stuff going on. And the big like point of this episode becomes that Icky hates Vice to the point where he's just, I'm gonna transform so you're corpo- so you're corporeal so I can beat you up. Mm-hmm. And then also like I'm not gonna transform because if I'm near death, like you'll listen to me, because you'll die too. <laughs> that was pretty good. Yeah, he is uh He's he he figured out how to deal with Vice very quickly. He does a great job. He seems to be just incredibly naturally talented at all of this stuff off the bat, despite you know the challenges that come with it inherently. Yeah, and um, my favorite moment has to be when he catches his axe weird to realize it's a gun, and like that's the best. That's the best like tropey joke for like this kind of stuff. Like, yeah, of course it is. It's a gun. Why not? <laughs> He's just like, oh, okay, does that too. All right. <laughs> yeah, that moment of like the whole fight stopping because he just shot somebody with his axe. Huh. This works. <laughs> and yeah, um, that leads us to episode three. Um, mm-hmm. Hostage trouble. What to do, brothers? <laughs> and yeah. I have to say, I also love how there's an interrobang on the end of like half the episode titles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh i mean it, it goes with the show it's extremely high energy um let's see so oh yeah so this is when the government folks show up talking eminent domain um let's see and then there's an evil guy in a bucket hat at the mall with a gun 
<laughs> yeah, he's got a gun and a bucket hat. I mean, I think those are sold as a like combo pack, like most Wendy's, right? Probably in Florida. Let's see. So this is when we see that Daiji has a this stamp, and we're not sure what he's going to do with it yet. So at that point, I thought that he was planning on unleashing, excuse me, unleashing his own inner demon. And I was like, oh, fuck, what if you can't control it? Um, but he doesn't do that. Um, he goes to bat. He tries to fight the bad guys to save his sister. And he almost dies. Yeah. And Vice can't help but just make, like, incredibly uh, tone-deaf comments. Like, what? You have five family members already. <laughs> yeah, and, like... The tension here is that, like, for Icky, he's still not signed. He's still not, like, officially a a common writer. And, like, um, his sister is also with his childhood friends slash, like, Cross. um, Mm. And um, her name is Ayaka. And they get kidnapped, but um, her mom is too busy with her younger sister, who's an idol, to pick up the phone for the ransom. And even the ransomer who's like, man, I hate capitalism. is like, man, your mom sucks. <laughs> Just like, God damn. The, 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 it like really sucks to be here today. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I skipped right past all of that. Um, the little sister and Ayaka are at the mall and they get kidnapped by the bucket hat guy. And um, as they're fighting, um, the new like dead man is like, too strong and then they end up like with their second tribute form which is um to comrade den o so comrade den o is about what if there was a train that ran through time and there was an extremely shy man who was the only one who remembered a different timeline and was trying to help his sister process the trauma of forgetting the love of her life and also, people's memories were time, and time was always changing, and it was very angsty. <laughs> well, I'm confused. Yes. That's fair. <laughs> um, that show is also one where he is a, like, weakling and can't fight, so he needs to make contracts with demons to be possessed to be able to be a, like, common rider. So that's probably mm-hmm. where that is the second <clears throat> form they choose to be like, hey... This matches some themes, but yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I, since I didn't know that, that, that all kind of went over my head. That's so interesting. And they're like also mammoth theme, which means nothing, but like that's why they're on train tracks later, and that's why they look that way. Oh, oh that makes sense. Yeah, because I have like when they got on like each other's thighs and became like a train that was out of nowhere, but yeah, um, yeah, that was a little strange, but, you know, fun. Like, you know, at, at this point in the series, I was just like, all right, like, I, I don't know what's going on, but I'm having a great time. What do you think of um, how Icky decided that he was going to trust his sister to not be a hostage and just, like, go for it? Um, I mean, if he knows she's that good at martial arts, you know, fair enough. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure, I guess. <laughs> I mean, she's, uh, you know, he's got a, he, he's got his hands full, you know, she's, she's fighting normal people. They're just humans. Yeah. And, um, the episode like ends though with like Daiji is so pissed off about like 
being rejected to be like a writer and not getting like his own belt. He's like, couldn't help enough. He got hurt. He hates that. Like the risk that like he took paid off. Um, and then also the kidnapper never had a stamp and we find out later was just hired for money and wasn't the person who made the like dead man either. Just like, he was just like subdued of a gun. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, sure. I'll mm-hmm. make some money. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. That, that moment in the episode is definitely when it was clear to me that Daiji is going to end up causing some serious problems later. Yeah. And, um, um, Oh, I was just going to say, I really, I really love this fight scene. I thought it was great. And I noticed they also were using a lot of POV camera, which was so interesting and so fun. Yeah. They've been trying a lot of like new stuff with these shows too, where like they've definitely had more like drone and that kind of stuff in the past few years. Um, Like Ryder stayed pretty popular. Super Sentai, which is the show that Power Rangers gets footage from, has not. So it's gotten very mm-hmm. experimental. Uh, mm-hmm. and that's cool. I still don't really watch it, but that's cool. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's cool, but not like that cool. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's cool, but I got what, like, uh, 10 free hours a week. <laughs> cool. Not, not that cool, mm. but yeah. Um, and then at the end we see that, um, the shoes that Hakka wanted and was told, uh, did not suit her are being worn by the mysterious True contract cider. Who could it be? Yeah. Uh, I mean, they definitely are, are hideous shoes. So um, obviously it's Ayaka, but I'm sorry if she bought them. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and that leads to episode four. Not enough love. A dangerous demon is born. Um, so, so this show has gone on for a couple episodes more than we watched. I'm just going to read these episode titles because they're actually pretty good. Uh, mm-hmm. The world reforming writer who is the traitor, evil's true identity, shocking showtime, theft, skateboard. I'm Kageyero, <laughs> family rest, heaven and hell, runaway Kageyero, collapse, older and younger brother, the heart that believes, invincible Sakura, power for what purpose? Which probably answers your questions. Mm, yep, yeah, just very full on there what do they do but all right yeah i'm I'm honestly so curious about what happens in this show that i might end up watching the rest of the season yeah uh these shows are very long (laughs) they do go on for like 48 episodes they like they go year round every year which is why they go so wildly different in their themes Mm, yeah I mean, yeah, you know, you got to try new things. Um, it, it is really fun. I guess um, not being familiar with this genre, for me, I don't really know what's experimental uh, toku and what's not. Um, it all seemed pretty experimental to me, but it seems like everyone's having fun, especially the prop designers. Yeah. Um, like, you can really, I mean, like, you can really tell everyone's having fun. The Caddy's Demon, uh, what was that, episode two? Yes. Yeah, oh my god, so cute. It's like this pink, uh, evil praying mantis. God, yeah, no, the, the character designs are so good. But yeah, not enough love. A dangerous demon is born. Let's get into it. And uh, so, uh, for Daiji, he still wants that contract sign. Heki says no, so he goes off to find that missing stamp for the Kong. And then that's when he also find out that 
Ayaka is missing and Sakura it's like walking by her house, sees her mom and says, Hey, have you seen her? And then her mom's like, Oh, I thought I thought she was staying with you. And then just goes about her day. <laughs> Doesn't really seem yeah, that Yeah, she's like not worried at all. She's just like, Yeah, you know, my my teenage daughter is uh completely lost and no one knows where she is. Well, you know, what what could happen? I was surprised that Sakura was the youngest. I kind of thought she was older than Daiju, but I guess she's like in a school uniform, so she's like 17 or 16 or whatever, which is like a couple of years younger than I thought, honestly, but yeah. I mean, honestly, everyone looks so young, even their parents. It's hard to tell at all. Yes, no. When I like first saw like a preview of the show, I was like, oh, so there's like five people. There's a boss and there's four siblings that work for him. And I was like, oh, that's their mom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, his dad, like, barely looks older than his sons, too. He at least looks like he's reached the age 30, that, like, their mom does not look like it a lot yeah. of lights. Yeah, no, she looks so young, but she's got a lot of wisdom. Uh, and she's, like, still in the hospital and stuff, and, like, I like that little bit, too, of, like, oh, yeah, this took a toll from her to get, like, launched through concrete. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I like how they're everyone is dealing with like realistic uh medical issues after going I mean not that realistic, but like slightly realistic medical issues after what they went through. For me, like I think too, um sometimes when shows start you off with characters outside of their normal setting, it can make their normal setting weird. And like I think there's something about putting the family on the back foot with how they're managing their business that is kind of exacerbating and like revealing some of their stuff between themselves that you wouldn't see if like they were all hands on deck with their business you know yeah we're like they're kind of like worried about it and Iki's like no like someone needs to be there and they're like I don't know we'll figure it out just you know save the world but they're all kind of stressed out about it yeah yeah he's so obsessed with his family business where it's like, oh, he does not feel like he can do anything, huh? He's just like not living his life right now. And he's going to really hate that a little bit at some point. Mm -hmm. And um, we get the dead man saying we, we need six advanced contract sacrifices to summon gift Sama. And uh, only certain people can do that. And then um, <clears throat> we hear that like that. Hayaka has called Sakura, has said, sorry you were my lie. I didn't want to see my mom, but also that, like, she's, the, like, on the phone from the, like, um, from their base and is, like, the next sacrifice. And then um, we get to, like, the concert for the idol group, which is called um, Little Devil Rendezvous, which, okay, that's mm -hmm. a band name. <laughs> yeah. But just, like, they're fairly popular, and when she shows up after being missing for presumably more than 24 hours to talk to her mom, her mom is just like, oh, sorry, the, like, concert's going on. <laughs> and that sets her yeah. off. Yeah, I mean, this is why it's important to not play favorites as a parent, you know? Whichever child you pay less attention to is going to sell their soul to a demon cult and then try to eat you. It's just, that's just how it goes. Yeah. And, uh, that's just a pretty universal, like truth, honestly, like, even when there's not like fun powers involved, but 
Absolutely. That's just how it happens. And you really do like feel, oh, this is probably the arc of the show is people having an extreme need to not feel pain, to not feel lost, to like get like get revenge and they're going to become these monster forms. And uh, that's fun. It's like a big part of Rider 2 is that monsters are people. They aren't like there are stakes to fighting a monster in Rider that like some shows don't have, which is like, oh, this is just like a thing, you know? Mm hmm. Yeah, I, I guess that's something I was actually a little confused about, though, because, like, when they kill people's inner demons, uh, per, when they're, um, like, corporeal inner demons in the other episodes, um, the people who let out the demons initially are fine. They're, like, even better. So it actually doesn't really seem like there's many stakes so far. Yeah, uh, I feel like they had a good experience but also it's like plucking your eyebrows maybe you were lucky and you pulled out like the root but chances are it's just gonna grow back in a couple of weeks mm. okay that makes sense yeah I, I did think it was really interesting how they kind of like take these like relatable uh these like relatable situations that really bring out the worst in people and they're like this is like how ugly it can get and, um, I mean, in this show, you know, it's common writers, so how ugly it can get is that, uh, someone makes a contract with the demon, and then their demon tries to, uh, eat people. But, you know, still, like, I thought it was, I thought it was just, like, really interesting how they do that, you know? I don't, this show has a, a, a tint of a, like, sociological perspective, I think, sometimes, because it runs so long, it tends to hit on people in so many different parts of life too, where it'd be like, Oh, here's what a model's doing. Here's what a like, um, local like food truck guy is doing. Here's what this person who like just lost their job is doing. It's like, it tends to hit so many people's experiences and having different things to say that like, that's a core thing for me. Like with like why I'm like a fan is how it will be like, and we touched on 24 different people in, in like, different places in the world and how they deal with being monstrous or having the ability to be monstrous, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, she's just, <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm going to give myself over to this demon because it's better than being ignored by my, like, uh, by my family. And like, she kidnaps her sister and she just like is gone and just, yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously, it's an outsized reaction, but, you know, what teenager hasn't felt that way about something, you know? There's also, like, a lot of people who know the feeling of just being, wow, I've gotten no love from my parent. I got to deal with that. Uh, that's hard. Uh, and that leads to this, like, conversation between we see how mad Daiji is at Icky, and also, as soon as he calls out, that Icky is just nosy, Icky immediately gets hurtful. I was like, well, why don't you do something? Like, it's just like, it's immediately like, yeah, well, you're useless. It Like, instead of, like, responding to the fact that he just, like, isn't being responsible, and it's like, oh, yeah, like, this is siblings. This is a real response. This is a real fight going on. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I thought, like, the way they go into the relationships excuse me, I thought the way that they go into their relationships with one another is really, is really interesting. 
Um, I assume that there's more stuff with the parents uh, in the later episodes. I was kind of sad that I didn't get so much of that in these first four. I think if you... Okay. I'm just saying, as a mathematician of story, if you put a, a dad trying to get world records on the mantle in the first act in a show about demon contracts, that's going to go off at some point, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, but yeah, and um, this leads to a conversation with their mom where at first you think they're doing the thing where like um, she's talking to like Icky and like saying something that Daiji's going to miss here, but then you find out that Daiji set the whole conversation up and like isn't leaving in like a huff. Uh, which is fun and just she basically tells like, Icky hey people aren't strong acting strong just hurts people mm. like you, you have to like understand people and like grow up basically yeah she was like you'll uh, if you don't understand this you'll always be half a man for truth yeah that's true yeah it was really good advice um, and, and yeah I also liked how they didn't do the rom-com thing where someone could sort of like slightly mishears things out of context and it's just like oh my god like i could never speak to this person again which is kind of the joy of watching stuff that is uh non-western because it's not kind of relying on the same tropes all the time yeah like when she says like he's soft i was like oh no he's gonna hear this and leave and like shave his head or something i don't know <laughs> yeah he's gonna start wearing black leather and be real angry but but no, he kind of stays and, and listens to it all, and he sort of uh, seems to internalize it, too. Um, and also, Iki does later say, I am Japan's number one busybody for a living, so he must agree a little bit with Daiji's words. And honestly, that's character growth right there. That is exactly what you need. And he's just like, yeah, I better help. And like he leans into what he wants to do, which is involve people. And like... um. With these writer shows, uh, a lot of the characters are are basically like their ideologies and like the suffering of the main character will be, hey, how do you get people to believe what you believe and just getting abused mm -hmm. as you learn how to like convince people and like thread that needle. And also it's like, oh, like very often it's like, oh, the three writers in the show or whatever, they each are like a different point in like what would be like a political like conversation or like what have you, you know? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, and he's able to break through though. Like he, um, gets, uh, her mom to talk to her and like holds her off as she talks. And then like, uh, and they reconcile, but then the demons like, Nope, I'm here. <laughs> and like turns mm -hmm. her tears into like, blood and like takes over her body and stuff and yeah okay that was a little confused because it was like wait it seemed like they reconciled why is she literally bouncing off the walls uh in fury now but but that makes sense <laughs> and then the uh last of the tribute forms comes up which is actually uh that is a patera based off of Comrade Fies. so Comrade Fies, my first series that i ever watched it is my favorite series uh it's basically <laughs> comparing 21st century technology and the idea of human advancement a la X-Men as things that 
don't connect us, but actually just exacerbate our disconnects and mental health issues of. Oh, shit. Yeah. Very topical. Yeah. It's a 2003 show. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And like, it's like lots of stuff like, um, it's very much like, um, the first episode is, isn't really about the main common writer. It's about this dude who like gets in a car accident and then like wakes up three years later and like finds out that his whole life has been destroyed. And then like, he finds out that he's also a monster and like, Oh shit. He's like not the main writer though. He's just like a very important, like other main character thing. It's like, Oh, like the whole thing is like, yeah. Um, we're the advancement of people and we're super broken. <laughs> and also there's Aww. a writer here. Yeah. <laughs> That's terrible. Uh, and somehow I don't know if you've heard this one before, but the two emotionally vulnerable people, one, a monster and one not, um, are a pretty massive ship in that show. <laughs> I'm not sure if you ever heard of that happening before. Um, all the time. Shape of water. Yeah, no, true. Uh, but yeah, uh, so this form that he gets is based off of that show, which was a big pop for me. It's like, oh, yeah. And like, it looks mm -hmm. just like it. I was like, oh, this is great. But yeah. Oh, nice. There's a big like yeah, CG fight scene. But yeah, sorry. Yeah. Oh, so, no, sorry. I was just going to say, yeah, the different forms are so cool. Although I didn't realize they were callbacks to anything. So it's just like, oh, all right. Neat. <laughs> don't don't really get why they have all these, but okay. <laughs> yeah, they're kind of random because like they are just like here's an animal that has nothing to do with this writer, but also it's based off this writer because the scientist in this show likes watching Common Rider, so he just is like, Oh, I'm making a mammoth, so I'll make it this Common Rider like show that I like is this is okay, sure, go for it, dude. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Uh yeah, and um the big fight scene here and like the main reveal being like, oh yeah, if you wanna get somebody from their like advanced contract, just kick the shit out of them. And like ride her kick. With love. With love, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it works. And they save her. And she gets to live in prison now. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Hopefully until she gets better, but who knows? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sure uh, I'm sure Japanese prisons are are much nicer than American ones. So maybe maybe it's not so bad. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, so Japanese prisons have a real issue with solitary confinement and your connection oh, no. to the outside world. Yes. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah, uh, which we could get deep into. Uh, but let's. Yeah. Uh, and. So, like, this episode ends with the brothers are, like, laughing and going to, like, have a bath together. And then Vice sees that the photo of when Daiju got into Phoenix, there's a Back to the Future moment where Icky gets erased from the photo and then Vice just laughs, which is very yeah, obvious. Yeah, I didn't understand that at, at all. Me neither. Okay, cool. So that makes two of us. Yeah, uh, I'm assuming it's not good if your demon's laughing at you being erased from a photo. I mean, but, like, Vice understands that if Iki dies, Vice does too, so he surely wouldn't be rooting for his death, would he? I'm wondering if it's, like, something like, oh, 
and Daiji decided that Icky is not his brother anymore. Like, he's like, haha, that's fun. I'm a demon. Yeah, sad. Yeah, I was, I, I, I wrote, um, what did I write? Uh, okay, I don't understand why he disappeared from that photo. <laughs> uh, I was very confused. Yeah. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. One fun little note is, uh, this would be the third year in a row where the Common Rider show has had a big, fun, sexy pun or like moment that they did not realize was funny, I guess. Uh, Cause there's a point where uh, they turn into their mammoth form and vice says climaxing from the trunk. Mm, whoops. That's a translation yeah. choice. Last year there was a, so last year's theme was books and bad writing. Uh, I might be slightly not properly r- representing that last one, but th- there was a character whose like power was based off of Hansel and Gretel, but like okay. the jingle was Hansel nuts to Gretel. Oh Jesus! Yeah, and the oh man, and the year before that, there was a a comrader who had the power to steal other people's powers with his sword that was called like the like jacker sword so his oh god yeah like his power was jacking break and it would like shout jacking break (laughs) oh god yeah so oh boy this is a long and story tradition of fun cum jokes i guess yeah i mean i mean that is one of the joys of bad translations yeah and like uh the fan community is very good for these shows (laughs) These all come out like the day they come out in like Japan, like twelve hours later, and they're like oh, wow. translated. That's yeah, great. uh, but no. So there's a lot of detail in there, and I didn't know how dense the show would be with stuff. And it's like definitely like a anniversary show with like lots of weird references. But how do you feel about like watching your first Kamen Rider show? Uh, you know, I I really enjoyed it. Um, I've never, well, I guess other than Scott Pilgrim versus the world, I I haven't really encountered stuff like this. Um, but I thought it was so much fun. I will probably watch more of this show, honestly. And, uh, now that I know what Toku, now that I know what Toku is, I'm like, man, um, I wonder if there's other stuff like this that I can watch that I'd really enjoy. I'm trying to think, um... I did share some deets with you and some other stuff. There's one show that I think would you be interested in like the like more like drama side, like the real world perspective thing or Yeah, I think so. Uh there's a show called uh Tokusatsu Gaga Ga, mm-hmm. which is um a thirteen episode or like seven episode like show that's just about this like um 26 year old like office worker who's super paranoid that somebody's gonna find out that she likes toku oh oh my god that sounds that's that's very meta yes let's see i'm i'm looking it up on i found like a little page on fandom.com um wow her mother banned her from watching toku yeah and it Put a massive wedge in their relationship, apparently. They're estranged? Yes. Wow. Um, and also, like, so one thing I 
one bit of context for that is um so during the summer there was a week where i had a podcast uh not come to fruition so my partner came on an episode looking at um the sailor moon anime and also the live action sailor moon pretty guardian sailor moon uh Mm -hmm. and uh the teacher in that show is 25 and very like uh she's very desperate to find like a husband basically Mm -hmm. and i thought it's worth bringing up for the for the woman who has a bad relationship with her mom and the woman's 26 there's this saying in japan that i think is the most brutal and shitty saying in the world but i think gives a lot of context to like a lot of uh age trope marriage stuff but um Mm -hmm. it's basically um that women are christmas cakes nobody wants them after the 25th and i was like oh damn and i think like there's so much stuff now where i'm like oh and she's 24 i was like oh okay that's like a tension there that's like a weird societal like fucked up thing (laughs) that is Okay, so that's kind of like that's kind of like they're thirty, I guess. Yeah, where it's like if you're not married by then, people are like, "Well, well, why aren't you married?" <laughs> so if that show is like, "Oh, um, she's twenty six, that's probably attention to. Um, there's one called Unofficial Sentai Akiba Rager, which is also very meta, but is like, uh, what if a bunch of people went to a a like super sentai cafe and they were like just local weirdos and they got turned into a like power ranger team to like stop marketers from taking over people's imaginations oh yeah that's interesting how do you spell that uh that is um (laughs) um a k i b a ranger so i keep a ranger it has a very good uh theme song too but yeah um hikonen sentai akiba ranger yes okay yeah i tried to pick things that were aimed for adults and shorter but also just like that is awesome yeah okay that sounds really that sounds really really fun yeah and like that like theme song is a bop it's a like uh the most intense of the non-intense theme songs but yeah okay Oh, speaking of theme songs, I thought the Common Rider theme song went very hard. It does, yeah. Uh, they like to do their theme songs. <laughs> they certainly do them. They are doing the absolute shit out of them. Um, should we talk about our top three characters? Yeah, absolutely. I want to take that. And uh, we end every episode with our three final questions, which are our top three characters, our favorite designer effect, and best outfit. So who All right. were your top three characters? Uh, Iki and I couldn't choose between his parents for number two and number three, so they're both number two, and those are my top three characters. I liked Iki. Um, I do think I got to give some points to Ayaka, a very good, hopefully not one-off character, but her motivations for why she would make that deal made sense to me. Um, and I also liked that dude with the gun in the bucket hat because he did like take a moment in a in a kid show to be like capitalism man <laughs> yeah no i liked him a lot he was just like i am at the mercy of my economic circumstances <laughs> which is what every villain should probably say 
There's, uh, well, there's, who's the, oh, God, I just watched Avatar last year, and who's the, uh, earthbending guy who's just, like, society? Society. <laughs> I mean, he's like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's a little more hardcore about it, though. Yeah, um, was that in Korra? Because I'm, like, not done with Korra yet. Shit, was that Korra? I watched, uh, Avatar and Korra during, during lockdown, so. Yeah. Uh. What's your favorite design or effect that you saw? Oh, definitely Maximus Rex. I thought it was very cute. Yeah. Um, I give a slightly vague answer, but I liked how all of the monster designs for the monsters made from contracts also looked like papercraft. It was most pronounced with the mantis, I think. For that mantis then. Is that like looked folded paper wise? Oh, I didn't realize that was on purpose. I thought it was just because um, the CGI was, like, that was affordable. They do a lot in these shows. Okay. They're very good at their intentionality, but... um. Oh, I didn't realize yeah. that was a stylistic choice. Interesting. Yeah. What outfit was your favorite? Uh, I think... Uh, Excuse me, Aguilera's outfit was my favorite, but the campy mariachi costumes, both of them are really hard not to choose. What about you? Yeah. The villains in the shows are always like great. Um there's one show that we're following right now um that has a character named Gray who is a robot that listens to gramophone and smokes black and miles that he lights with his finger. And he's just <laughs> incredible. Uh and not quite that same level, but the mariachi outfits are so dumb. Um, I think they're amazingly dumb. Yeah. That Julio though, his like Caesar haircut, like bowl cut, and like the hat is way dumber <laughs> than the other dude who's just like I'm hot and also in a green jacket. <laughs> like that's fine. Yeah. He's like he's not too bad off, but like Julio is like <laughs> bad. I just really wish they'd taken it all the way and they had them, you know, singing some like classic Mexican tunes. So much opportunity, so much missed opportunity with that one. You know, like, how about some malevolent acoustic guitars? You know, there's going to be a scene in this show where like they're doing like a human sacrifice or something. And then like in the background is like, like, just like out of context. And yeah, I hope so. I, I I really really hope so. No, it was it was fun. Um, like you know, obviously I found the villains uh pretty confusing, but you know what? Maybe maybe it gets more coherent as the series goes on. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, and <laughs> I don't know. Um, it's kind of fun because um, we're not covering the series in detail, so it's just like oh, I can watch this when I want to, and not. A to feel bad about it but yeah i could just put it on in the background and um get stoned and see what's up yeah um and when you're not talking about tokusatsu eric we'll find you brett um, um when i am not uh talking about weed or toku i am i can be found on linkedin at uh, Brett Kavanaugh, that's B-R-E-T-K-A-V-A-N-A-U-G-H. Um, you can also listen to me on Beyond Buds, which is the podcast where I speak to people about weed. And sometimes I write for the LA Weekly. Um, and I also have a plant science YouTube channel. 
but that's yeah. probably pretty far off topic. So we don't need. I don't. I don't think they'll be interested in that. What's it called though? Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. It's called. <laughs> it's called Professor Pilze, which means mushrooms in German. So that's Professor, and then P I L Z E. And um, I do talk about cannabis a little bit on there, but it's a little more general than that too. So not to put too fine a point on it, but just to be clear, Brett Kavanaugh, not that one. <laughs> just yeah, I'm gonna say. not that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, I am uh, not a lawyer. I'm not a judge. Uh, I'm not a public figure. You And like you don't like beer. Uh, no, I'm actually allergic. Oh, that, that's really funny, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Yeah. I mean, I like it. I do like it. But, um, you know, as he famously said, boys like girl. Sorry, boys like beer. Girls like beer. Everyone likes beer. Um, but my body doesn't. So that's that's it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, you can find me at Twitter.com at James Forge. Uh, the other co-hosts are not here, but they'll be back on their episodes. And that's what you can find out to find them until now. Fuck them. But uh, for right now, uh, <laughs> you could. <can>, uh, <laughs> Check out uh Cabin Ride with me, um at Cabin Ride with me on, on Twitter and Instagram. There's CabinRide.com for our for our episodes and articles. There's Cabin there's Cabin slash episodes for links out to different podcast services. There is uh there is CabinRide.com slash merch for uh our merch with all proceeds there going to the Trevor Project. And there is a podcast at CabinRide.com, which is our email for questions, for things uh, you want us to cover and all that jazz. And we also like five views Apple Podcasts. That helps us uh, keep growing and keep being the number one TV podcast in Denmark. One more time, guys. Wait, are you really? <laughs> like, uh, for two weeks. <laughs> Wait, where do you find stats on this? Uh, we use Chartable. Oh, I gotta switch. Oh, yeah. That is awesome congratulations it's the weird numbers like we reckon we were like oh yeah like philippines okay but then like denmark was like yeah like you're number one for two weeks in denmark and i was like why <laughs> i couldn't figure that out why wild oh my god are you ever gonna go to denmark i mean why wouldn't i i've only yeah, heard good things I mean, about denmark to be fair. now that you know it's full of toku fans i feel like it has to happen someday but also there's nothing like sadder than like going to like a like public square being like two years ago i had the number one podcast in denmark <laughs> um i i guess just uh wear a shirt that says like uh otaku or like i'm a weeb and just be like oh god like hopefully someone will feel bad for me and be like yes me too wear a shirt that says like please ask me about my podcast please <laughs> I mean, if you saw someone wearing that shirt, would you ask them? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no offense, but I don't ask anyone about their podcast unless I'm on a podcast. <laughs> That's just me, though. I'm podcasted out. <laughs> oh, my God. I feel like asking anyone about their podcast is how you end up uh, in a corner watching everyone else have fun at the party for the next three hours. Like... The only place where I would want like a the message like ask me about like my podcast would have to be on like some underwear maybe like there maybe that's where it should be just like a yeah I mean because at, at the point that anyone's seeing your ass or your underwear they're like 
pretty committed to whatever's going on. And also, if you can f- go from underwear to talking about your podcast and fuck it up, that's good. You should fuck it up. And that person should get the leaf. That's true. It's like your final warning. I have a podcast. <laughs> and with that, gracias. Come and ride with me. <laughs> Adios. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> can't spell prophylactic well, thank you so much podcast. for having. Oh, sorry, what? Can't spell prophylactic about podcast, I guess. But, that's that's true, I guess. <laughs> someone, I'm match. sure someone can't. Someone can't. <laughs> thank you so much for having me on. This was so much fun. 